This is episode 15 with Matilda striker, Kaya Simon. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. Another bumper episode ahead. I've got Kaya Simon. Kaya someone that I've watched for a long time now. She, you know, she's 25 years old, but she's been playing for the Australian Matildas since she was 16 years old. You know, I love the way she plays. She's exciting. She's charismatic. I love the stuff that she's doing off the field. She's a passion. She's just, you know, she's just got so much passion for the community. She's very, very proud of her Indigenous background, and it's someone that uh, I wanted to speak to for a long, long time. Before I get Kyra on the show, just a big shout out to everyone that has tuned in so far. I hope you're really enjoying the episodes. If you haven't yet, please share it with your family and friends. Tag me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm either Tristan Cannell or Tristan Cannell Fitness across all those channels. You can send me a quick email at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. I'd love to hear all your guest requests or any feedback that you have on the show. I'm trying to improve it every week. It's not the easiest thing with audio quality and things like that. But I think in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have that all down pat. So without further ado, I want to get straight to the show. So here's my episode with Kaya Simon. Hey guys, my special guest is Kaya Simon. Kaya is a striker for the women's Australian Matildas and Sydney FC in the W League. She debuted for a country at only 16 years old and has been to two World Cups in 2011 and 2015 and the Olympics last year. She's had a stint overseas with the Boston Breakers and is an integral part of the national team. I'm honoured to welcome Kaya Simon. Kaya, welcome to Talking with TK. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No, nah, most definitely. First thing I want to touch on, I know you've been having surgery and you've had a couple of shoulder injuries. Why don't you give us an update on how the shoulders have gone? Yeah, so I had a double shoulder, Rico, um, a month apart from each other. Uh, for the past three months, I've, I've just been full, full steam ahead with my rehab. And look, it's been really tough, but I've been trying to keep my... Um, keep my mentality as, as positive as possible and, and, and focus and stimulate it in, in other areas. But, yeah, I, I'm just kind of taking uh, each step as it comes and, and slow process with, with rehab exercises and, and it's a gradual process um, between the two but hoping to be returned uh, to playing in September. So that's the aim. Kai, with two shoulder reconstructions, I've never had a shoulder reconstruction, but how long before you can actually pick someone up, pick something up? Um, well, at the moment, I am on 15 weeks post up on my my right shoulder, and and I'm lifting about two kilos on the cable machine. So, uh-huh. um, yes, yeah, it's it's very slow in terms of um, you know, lifting lifting things, and and 
I guess getting your range is, is your first priority and then from then on you slowly build your strength back. But um, those small muscles, you know, in and around the shoulder are just as important as, as kind of your bigger muscles like your bicep and your tricep. Uh, so, yeah, gradually trying to try to build those up and then hopefully I'll be throwing some iron around in a couple of months. Yeah, are you still allowed to run? I'll be running in about three weeks. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. So um, it's, it's about the uh, eight-week mark from from surgery on my second shoulder. So, yeah, I just can't wait to, to get running again. Um, I'm sick of the Watt bike and, and any, any <laughs> running, so I can't wait to just, you know, chuck the boots on and, and go for a, a good run. Yeah, Kai, you spoke before about trying to stay positive. You know, you've had a bad knee injury before as well. You know, the two shoulders now. What are some of the things you try to do to stay on top of it all? Yeah, I think um, the main thing is, is your mentality throughout the whole process. And although it's a, you know, fairly crap situation that you're in, I think the one thing that I've always focused on is, is finding that, uh, I guess, the silver lining in, in you know, a, a bad situation. And, and for me, uh, I have a lot of, passion in business so it's, it's little business ventures like creating my own hats and and drink bottles throughout this process and and you know running my holiday clinics which I run for, for girls in the school holidays so I've got one coming up and just bits and pieces I think to, to keep my my brain stimulated and and so I don't send myself stir crazy from not being able to, to play football and play the sport that I love so as much as it sucks you know having to watch and know that I should be out there playing I think uh, keeping your your mentality positive and and your brain stimulated in other areas definitely is a vital part in in staying sane and and ensuring that you give yourself the the best opportunity to come back as refreshed as possible mentally and physically. Yeah, how do you handle that work life balance? Because you used to work for BT, correct? Yeah, I had a um, a four day a week role with BT Financial Group uh, in para planning and and I actually. Um, I got that role throughout my my knee reco uh, when I was coming back from that rehab and and that was pretty much um, I was I was training you know eight to ten times a week and then working a nine to five job four days a week so that was another way that that kept my mind uh, on on other things and uh, really got me through that process so so it was a little bit harder this time round with being you know in a sling for I guess eight weeks out of the last three months yeah can't really do a, a normal job, it, it's very much independent uh, for me. I was dependent on my mum and, and my family members to kind of help me through that as well as my roommate. So uh, definitely a more difficult situation, you know, not having one arm. Uh, you really do underestimate how much you do need both arms and, and I definitely experienced that. So by far, this is probably the toughest period of my career uh, to date, but luckily I had or I still have a, a great support network around me and a lot of people who are, who are positive in my life and have been a, a great influence on me throughout this period and really helped me through. And the entrepreneurial side of you, where did that, that inspiration come from? Yeah, I think it actually stems from um, my love for cafes and coffee and, and it was my first couple of years in, in America, probably starting 2012 and and I had this aspiration to open my own cafe and, and I was finishing my diploma of business management while I was over there by correspondence and, and that's kind of where my passion drove from, from business and I've always been 
uh, I guess, interested in that that industry. And and then uh, I think from from March last year or from the start of last year when I decided to get my holiday clinic for girls up and running, um, that was kind of my first, I guess, big venture uh, to start off with. And then and then I needed to or uh, you know, I wanted to do something this time around with my shoulders, and, and that's when I kind of came up with the idea of the hats and the drink bottles, um, and, and also selling uh, my indigenous soccer balls that have got on the website as well. So, bits and pieces that are slowly, uh, you know, piecing together and um, I guess intertwining with each other. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking post career um, throughout my career, so not leaving it, you know, once the, my career's over and then thinking, oh, what do I do now? So yeah. it's at the forefront of my mind and um, I guess helping me uh, develop and, and I guess greater my knowledge in, in different areas as well as, as being a female football. Yeah, I've seen the soccer balls on your website. They look great. So the, the yeah. designs look pretty awesome. Yeah, so they look pretty cool. So hoping um, I've only got about 150 left of those. So um, they're limited edition and, and, you know, whether I get more made up um, or not, that's another question. But yeah, the, the interest of those has has gone through the roof. So um, obviously, it's a great opportunity for me to to spread the word and and you know, I guess, tell people about uh, my culture and and express that through through my football as well. Yeah, being so talented from a young age and breaking into the team at only sixteen years old, it must be kind of a little bit refreshing going into business because I'm sure that it's probably more of a challenge than sometimes sports could be. Yeah, I think um, you know I've always been sports in my in my blood, and and that definitely comes from from my family life as well. We're we're all always a sporty family, and um, yeah, business is is quite refreshing for me, and and it's always kind of nice, I guess, uh, mingling and and talking to to people in other areas, and not your same old you know friend circles or or sporting circles or football circles. So. Um, yeah, I get a lot of joy, uh, enjoyment out of it and, um, I really am intrigued by, you know, business-minded people and, and I always love, uh, you know, learning of people and, and I'm always trying to continuously learn and, and grow my knowledge in that space as well, uh, because it's a whole new world for me, but, um, it's a slow process and, and I'm really enjoying it. No, it's, it's refreshing to see that you've actually take, taken responsibility for post, post-life because, Having the opportunity to speak to all you guys that have made it in the professional sporting world, it is it is quite evident that a lot of people just don't know what they want to do during their career. So it is quite refreshing to see the approach that you're taking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's always been at the forefront of my mind is, you know, as much as you want your sport to last forever, it's, it's not going to. So having that in the back of your mind, but, uh, you know, at the, at the same time, your, your sport's still your priority. So it is a, a happy balance between the two and, um, I think they're both just as important as, as one another and, and for me, if if I'm, you know, if I've got passions outside of sport and if, I, if I'm stimulating my brain in other areas, then, you know, I'm enjoying my, my football um, most important foremost. Yes, Kyle, we, we spoke about you returning back from injury. We know that in 2019 there's a World Cup in France. Is realistically that your biggest goal right now? Yeah, look, I, I think my biggest goal at the at the minute would be my rehab and ensuring that I get myself in the best physical condition, uh, you know, of my career. And, and that is really my number one focus at the moment, uh, getting my body right, 
now had the mental refresher of, of having time away from the game. Um, my passion for it and, and um, my drive to get back and play uh, is at an all-time high. And, and I think the first step for me is hopefully coming back uh, around September. Then we've got W League and then um, probably the biggest focus for me would be then the World Cup qualifiers in Jordan uh, early next year uh, for the Matildas. So that's our World Cup qualifier and you know, if we don't perform there, then then we won't even be at the 2019 um, France World Cup. So that that's probably where where my sights are short term, and and obviously onwards from that, the 2019 World Cup, and then 2020 Olympics. Yeah, Kai, what what attracted you first to becoming a striker? Oh, I think I I you know I love scoring goals. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, when I was younger, I was you know one of the quickest on my team and. I really think I was I was drawn to that and and I guess the the excitement that you get when you know the pressure's on you need to you need to execute you need to score a goal I think that really drew me to it I love being in the action I love being on the ball and and getting as many touches as possible and and there's no better place than in the front third and and where you can really express yourself and and show your flair and and passion for the game so I think. I was always drawn to to the forward line, um, and yeah, at the end of the day, I just love scoring goals. Yeah, and what about the number seventeen? What's that meaning behind that? Yeah, so I actually, so when you come into the to the midfielders squad, you get given a number, and generally it's, it's whatever number's free. So I actually okay. like twenty four was my first number for the midfielders, but um, the the player uh, previous uh, previously wearing seventeen was was a girl named Danielle Small, and and she actually passed. Her number down to me and and you know said here you go I'd, I'd love for you to take this number on and, and wear it and growing up I always loved number ten uh, but I think there was a uniqueness in in seventeen and and when a previous Matilda uh, past Matilda passes you on their number um, you know it's a quite significant moment and especially for me as a sixteen seventeen year old receiving receiving that off one of the older players who have obviously paved the way for. For, for players like myself coming through, um, it was a no-brainer for me, and it kind of stuck with me uh, ever since my first game for the Matildas, which is you know a long nine years ago. Yeah, it's crazy to think you're only 16. How does a 16-year-old get a call up? Do, you get, do your parents get called first? How does that work? <laughs> well, at the, at the time, I'm pretty sure I had a mobile phone, so <laughs> I, I remember getting the the email actually and saying you've you've been. Um, invited to come into the Matildas camp. Um, it was by Tom Samani, who was the head coach at, at the time. And I remember on my way home from camp, I got a call on my mobile and he said, oh, you're coming away to America with us. And that was where the, the tour was. It was just a couple of friendly games against the US. And I just remember that moment in the car on the way home from the AIS in Canberra. And, you know, I was over the moon. Um, you know, I never thought it would come so soon and uh, you know I owe a lot to, to Tommy for having the belief in me as a 16 year old um, and, and you know he's running a risk at the end of the day um, in such a young inexperienced player to play against the number one team in the world mm. uh, so I'm forever grateful for that opportunity that he gave me and and I just remember I was I was over the moon and it was a surreal moment for me to, to get that call Yeah have you ever had a chance to ask him what exactly he saw with you? Saw in you at such a young age? No, I haven't actually. Um, I can uh, ask you. Yeah, I think I, I think I will ask you. Actually, I might run into him when I'm over in the US uh, next month. But 
Um, yeah, no, obviously I owe a lot to him for, for having that belief in me uh, at such a young age. So when I run into him, I'll definitely have to say, so what was the reasoning behind why why he got me in and, and ended up, you know, executing a decision and picking me in the squad? Because, yeah, I mean, that's still a mystery for me, but obviously he saw something uh, of value and, and I'd like to think that it was all worthwhile. Yeah, and how long does it take you to kind of feel comfortable in the team? Yeah, look, I think as a young player, um, and, and it's kind of any young player that comes into a team, you're either, you know, daunted and, and a little bit scared by the process. Um, you've got a little bit of um, nervousness um, within you, but almost at that age, you think less and you, you go in there and, you know, you're almost the underdog and no one has very high expectations of you and that's almost the easy part because you go in and and you just, you play for pure fun and, and you play to prove yourself and um, I think the older that you get, the more pressure um, you put on yourself, the more pressure, you know, people put on you and, and you know, it's, it's a really fine line with you need to make sure that you, you continue to, to enjoy what you do uh, but as a 16 year old, yeah, I think it was um, just having that mentality of going out there and and having fun. Like this is an opportunity of a of a lifetime, so I really grasp it with both hands and and you know do everything you can, work your ass off, and and gain the respect of of you know the legends in the game and and all the older players that um, you know took me under their wing as well. So um, I wasn't going to let um, an opportunity like that just pass me by and. And not give it my wholehearted effort, and, and that's exactly what I've done when I uh, when I got that chance. Yeah, you've definitely re- gained the respect of people. I spoke to Paul Wade two days ago. He's a massive fan of yours. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. Yeah, he said to say hello, but yeah, he's an absolute yeah. massive fan of you. And my dad is a massive, biggest fan of yours for sure. Oh, that's awesome. I think the Quaker Seal kind of thing comes into it too, though. Yeah, yeah, no, we definitely play a part, good old Quakers. So it's always <laughs> it's nice, you know, touching back um, from where, where you're from and where your roots are. So, um, yeah, they've got their 50th anniversary this year, actually. So um, I'll have to send them a, um, a short little video message um, congratulating them on that because that's a, a massive achievement. Yeah, most definitely. Now, the Asian Cup penalty you took in 2010, that was, what, literally only a couple of years after you debuted? You would have been, what, 18, 19 years old? Yeah, 18, yeah. Wow. And did you step up? Did you ask for that penalty or were you in an order? So <laughs> it's funny because actually um, the coaches, we came in and they said, all right, here's the four plays, you, you, you and you, and there was a fifth spot and they said, does anyone want to take one? And, and I had this urge and I just said, yeah, I'll take one and stuck my arm up and um, I was I always got the sense that the coaches were like, wait, really? You want to take one? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I I think I had that, that self-confidence and belief that I didn't really think of the, the occasion. I just wanted to be a part of it and, and you know, like I, like I said, I love scoring goals. So I just kind of, I didn't think about that it was a fifth penalty. I didn't even consider that that was, people say, you know, the most pressured, um, penalty of them all, but you know, if, if the girls, four girls before me didn't execute theirs, and mine wouldn't have even mattered anyway. So um, I very much see, you know, one to five all, all in the, kind of the same boat, um, and it takes you know a team effort to get there. So uh, yeah, I definitely stuck my 
stuck my hands up and and I was I was glad that I I actually executed it as well. Guys, we hope you're enjoying the episode with Kaya Simon. If you haven't yet, please check out some of our other episodes. On the last show, we had former Socceroos captain Paul Wade. And here's a quick sneak peek of the episode with Paul. Jeez, I tell you what, you don't, you just panic. You just yeah. absolutely fret. No, I, uh, I was lucky that, um, I mean, as far as emotion goes, it was just so up and down. Like, you'd be up, I'm training well, I know what to do, and then you'd get home... And the only thing that they showed out of the whole sporting bulletin was Maradona. Juggling the ball with his laces undone. And all of a sudden, the stress levels go up. And it's not fun being where you are anymore because you're so panicky. And then you train and you come down and you feel good. So it was a real roller coaster. But I remember Tomo said, have a look at his last two games, ladies. So I did. And out of that, I got... You know, he only uses his left foot and he's not very tall and, you know, he's really strong. And all these things were building up in as, as part of my armory and how I was going to combat this. And then the night before we played them, um, we had a practice match and Raul Blanco played the role of Maradona. So this mm. is on uh, at the Sydney Football Stadium, you know, yep. and, and we did, it was a jet rehearsal. And I thought, wow, if I've got to do this tomorrow night, I said, well, this is going to kill me. <laughs> I don't want to be following one bloke, even if he is the best player, arguably, to play the game. And he goes, listen, if he goes to the toilet, you go with him. And I thought, wow, that's uh, totally inappropriate, first of all. <laughs> secondly, secondly, I thought, wow, this is going to be one tough job because I've never had to do a man-master job. That takes a, a fair bit of discipline when you do what what I did at that time. So I watched his last two games, got all that information, rehearsed it the night before, honestly. I was so nervous, but I think the key was I wasn't afraid. I wasn't scared of him because I'd done all that, that preparation. Guys, we hope you enjoyed that. So check that out. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show via iTunes or Stitcher, or if you're an Android user, you can always check out the website, www.talkingwithtk.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, it's a very ballsy move, but a great move. But what were you thinking when you stepped up, when you're walking towards the keeper? To be honest, the thing I was thinking about was how heavy my boots were at the time, because I'm not sure if you saw the footage of the game, but it was torrential rain for the whole few minutes, and... I just remember our sock, my socks were so full of water, they would have been at least a kilo heavier on both feet. <laughs> and so squishy, every time I walked, I was sinking in the mud and on the ground. And um, I just remember I had in my head which way I was going to go and, and I just had to hit it sweetly. So I took a deep breath before I before I ran up to the ball and, and then when it hit the back of the net, I couldn't have been any more... Um, I guess emotional and, and proud of, of what we'd had had achieved and seeing the girls then run run down to me and then we all piled on each other. It was just a, a great moment and, and one that I'll never forget um us celebrating together. Yeah, what an what a great way just to want to start your career. But you yeah. mentioned the Boston Breakers before. You've had a couple of stints there. When they play are they playing in the summer or winter? 
They're in summer, like peak of summer right now. Okay. I mean, when the season's actually on, is it the summer season as well? Yeah, yeah. So it, it basically, when when you get over there, um, it's, it's cold, um, and then it starts to warm up after a month or so, and then it's really in the peak of summer um, for the next couple of months or the next next few months. So it's completely opposite seasons to us over here. Um, so yeah, it's fairly hot uh, over there when they play. What's the league like over there? Because when you go over, it's a, your full time job, correct? Yeah, so it's a, a full time professional. Um, Job uh, and you, you know you're a professional athlete, so you, you go to training of a day, um, then you do recovery, and then you've basically got the rest of the day off or bits and pieces, whether it be physio or treatment or or whatever that might be. But um, yeah, I think that's why I love going over there so much. I mean, the lifestyle, the girls are always great. Um, you're in summer, so you get away from the Australian winter, and you're a full time professional and it's a female athlete. Um, that doesn't happen often, and especially for us with the W League not being fully professional, um, you go over there and you get treated like a professional as well. So it's a great experience. I've, I've had, um, I guess, four on and off seasons um, with them. Uh, so um, yeah, I had my first couple of seasons were were actually really really successful with them, and that was my first stint overseas. So I was happy with that and. And then had a few uh, injury clouds in, in 2013 and then ended up doing the ACL at the end of the year. Um, so they're in a, a transitioning phase at the moment in terms of their rebuilding for the last couple of years, actually, in, with the Boston Breakers. Um, and I think they'll, they'll definitely be a force to be reckoned with in the next couple of years if they continue to uh, go in that direction. Yeah, and is that an ambition to get back there? Yeah, look, I think I, I actually want to try somewhere in Europe, possibly France, but I definitely want to, um, that doesn't go for the whole, um, length of the American season. So whether I do a stint in, uh, in Europe, possibly in France, and then go from there to the American League, um, whether I return to, to Boston or not, um, not too sure, but love to be somewhere, somewhere in America, uh, for, for the rest of the season. Yeah. Just looking at everything you've achieved, you know, you've already represented Australia 74 times. Realistically, in this team right now, apart from the captain and vice-captain, you'd probably be the next kind of senior girl. Is leading something that has ever crossed your mind? Yeah, look, uh, I think I've definitely had my fair share of um, captaincy opportunities and and one that sticked out was when... uh, we, we took out the, the championship for Sydney FC in, uh, I think it was around 20, 2012 or um, 2011, 2012 season. And, um, you know, I, I love that um, opportunity that I get to, to go out there, whether it's with an armband, uh, captain's armband on or not. Um, I do like to um, think of myself in somewhat capacity of a leader, whether that's through actions or, or through words. Um, but, but definitely um, hopefully lead the team and, and really empower the other girls. And I guess, um, you know, we're all working for that same common goal. So uh, whatever I can do to contribute in a positive way to the team, uh, I'm definitely willing to do. Yeah. Who would you say was the most influential person in your team towards yourself? Um, in, the, in the current team? Yeah, in the current team. Um. Look, I'm probably uh, closest with with Alana Kennedy, and and we're um, you know really close. So um, you know we we talk about everything, and um, definitely share our experiences. And, and she's been my roomie for a fair fair long time as well. So, um, 
between her and, and players like Caitlin Ford um, and Mackenzie Arnold, like we're obviously um, all fairly close and it, it's great when, when you do what you love and, and you're surrounded by some of your closest mates, um, it makes it all the more sweeter. Yeah, most definitely. Now, a few personality questions just to finish there, Kaya. Do you have any superstitions? Look, I used to have a fair few. Um, I had a, a fairly long um, long routine. But, um, no, look, I think now I, I just listen to my music uh, on the bus um, before the game, make sure i got my playlist um, on point. Um, and, yeah, the end of the end of the day just make sure I, I feel good going into the game um, and then if you feel good uh, for me um, I generally know that I'm going to play good if, if I'm feeling good. Yeah and what do you think your biggest point of difference is as a player? Um, well I'd like to say um, I'd like to say probably my unpredictability um, I think from a young age I've, I've had almost that unpredictability factor and, and that, you know, sometimes works in my favour, sometimes not. But um, I think as a striker, when you've got that, um, it's, it's harder for defenders to read. Um, but I think as a striker also, you, you want to be known as a goal scorer. And, and I'm looking to, although I've scored some crucial goals in my career, I'm definitely looking at working on that and being as best a goal scorer as I possibly can, um, you know, for the next campaign, but even for the rest of my career, I, I want to be, you know, known as, as a potent goal scorer and, and definitely continue um, that legacy um, as a striker in the Matildas. What's your favourite ground to play on outside of Australia? Um, ooh, outside of Australia? Um, definitely be a, a grass pitch. Um, Hard to narrow it down to to one field, but um, look, the pitch of in 2011 in Germany um, was fairly amazing. Um, I guess I, I think of the Norway game because um, I was lucky enough to score a couple of goals in in that game. But um, that was a great moment for us getting out of the the group stage, and I, I remember the pitch and, and the stadium was was insane. Um, it, was, it was during the day, so it wasn't. Um, dewy or anything, so it was yeah. specific playing conditions. All right, I'm going to take you back to your childhood now. Kaya, what posters did you have on your childhood wall growing up? Um, what posters did I have? Um, I don't think I had any posters on my wall. To be honest, I had a frame of a car. I loved cars growing up. How did um, you? Yeah. Um, what else did I have? I'm sure there was a poster of Beckham somewhere there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and no, I can't think of any off the top of my head. All right. Kai, you're going to be hosting a private dinner party. You've got five invites. Now, only rules, no family or friends, but it can be anyone dead or alive. Who, who are you inviting? Okay. Um, I'd probably say... Um, let's say Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Um, Muhammad Ali. Um, throw uh, Justin Bieber in there. Oh, you're a Bieber fan. Little Bieber, yep. Um, <laughs> well, I thought I've got two more to go. Um, 
Uh, we'll throw Rihanna in there as well. And um, last one. Um, let's say Aluna George is another one of my favourite singers. So. Okay, nice one. Nice little mix of different genres there. So. <laughs> All right. Before I let Kaya go, on everyone following her online, she's at kayasimon.com. You can find her on Instagram at kayasimon, and it's the same handle on Twitter or Facebook. It's Kaya Simon Official. Now, Kaya, before I let you leave, the final question I'd like to ask all my guests is just leave us with a few words of inspiration for everyone chasing their dreams. Yeah, look, I think one one uh, quote that I've always lived by is. Um, Set your goals high. Don't limit yourself with low expectations. And I think um, if that comes uh, from within and from yourself, then there's nothing really that can stop you. And there's nothing more that I love than proving people wrong. So, so go out there and, and chase your dreams. Uh, prove all those doubters wrong and, and you know, you'll, you'll find success and happiness within that. Nicely said, Kaya. Kaya, all the best for your injuries. I'm really looking forward to seeing you back on the pitch and hopefully we'll get to do this again sometime. Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Guys, we hope you enjoyed the episode with Kaya Simon. We've got great insights into her life, her career, and I'm really excited for her comeback ahead and I wish her all the best to make a full recovery and I'm sure that she'll be kicking goals from the tilde as she said, hopefully in that September or October mark. And, you know, she's, she's a very exciting player, so I can't wait to see her play again. Next on the show, guys, we've got former Wallabies legend, Nathan Sharp. Sharpie's a great character. He's doing great things both, well, now off the field. He's got a, several entrepreneurial ventures, and I love hearing him comment on his commentary on Network 10 when he does all the Wallabies games and things like that. So can't wait to get Sharpie on. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show via iTunes or Stitcher, or you can tune in the show. Tune into the show also via the website www.talkingwithtk.com. But until next time, I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK. Talking with TK.